Hello again. After a long time, I'm back. And uh, last time we spoke about the finishing touches of fundamentals of negotiation. So now, now that that's done, we go into something a little more interesting. I mean, this is my favorite part of this. It's called international and cross-cultural negotiations. So, before without further ado, let's get into it. Now, why does culture really matter? Now, not only does culture differ like naturally from country to country, it also differs, you know, difference in regionalities of the country also within the different countries. And not only that, for example, if you go organization-wise, in every different organization, the culture will change. It all depends on the person leading it. Now, for example, if the organization is full of lawyers, they will always try to use the law and be more affirmative in their actions. You know, it's uniqueness to each individual when you sit at that table to start negotiating. Now, what is culture? Culture is basically like the ideas, the customs and the social behaviors of a group, a community or a society. So to make it a little clearer how we should not, you know, uh, assume things before we sit down. Think of the iceberg picture that we have seen in a lot of textbooks and books. We can see the little bit of iceberg that we see below, above the water, which is visible to us. And then the huge log of ice that is not. So if you can imagine that, the log of ice is their fundamental assumptions of anybody from different cultures. They have different values, beliefs and norms. This we can't see because this is how they've been brought up. And uh, the ice part that we can see is the behavioral institutions that we are like holding them to. That gives us an edge. We think it gives us an edge in any type of negotiation. Now that that's out of the way, let's talk about some normal things that we're going to experience if you negotiate internationally. The first thing that comes to mind is greeting. Now when you're trying to greet somebody, there's a certain type of greeting in different types of cultures. For example, if you go to Russia, they expect you to have a handshake. But that handshake should be ironclad or they will judge you that very minute. Then in Japan, you bow down. In India, you say Namaste as a sign that is widely accepted. It's also a little stereotypical in my viewpoint, just a sidebar. But it is what it is. That's how people will greet you if they come from outside countries to our country. So we can also, you know, greeting is one thing. We can also check socio-political, you know, legal and religious environments they are around. What is happening in their country? What is the mind frame they are in? It can also give us a lot of value. You know, views. What is the politics in their country? Are they in a freer state of mind? Is there a lot of things happening in their country? Like that. Then you can also think of like their shared values. Are there individual, do they value individualism or collectivism? In short, I will explain this more later. Short individualism is they don't want to have a long-term relationship. Collectivism meaning they do want to have a long-term relationship. You have to find out what kind of values they have. Do, do does their company have a hierarchical system or an egalitarian system? You know what, what that means. Just for the sake of this, I'm just gonna say hierarchical is somewhere we have subordinates and somebody who supervising us. An egalitarian, the power is divided equally amongst their peers. So these are the types of values that they can share. Now we also, for example, also one unique thing, just you should know that you should never use the word four or, you know, use the number four more correctly in China. It's bad luck. It also means death. So for an example, Nokia has never used the number four in any of their series' IMEI number ever. They have never used the word number four. 
it's like omen so it's good to remember all these things what i just mentioned right now all this can be culminated into something called strategic behavior this is a small part of it obviously we can you have to learn a lot about different kind of countries but this is what you have to keep in mind when you start negotiating internationally with the perks of you know moving around the world the sensitivity and the risk also increases of job capacity and how much you can handle so not a lot of people can flourish in this environment but if you take the right you know the right things to remember and that's how we move on with it i think it's a very good opportunity for people so now as an example let me give you a scenario now there's a french company called lafarge they have come to provide their cement to the chinese government and they have come to provide that to build their dams and bridges and everything that is locally already for you know provided by chinese government and we know how stringent chinese government are about the things that happens in their country but they want to offer their own cement at a lower price and they are actually using it so that they can get a little more profit from what they are actually selling in their own country friend the french now what do they want they have some interests and priorities okay and the chinese government always also have some interests and priorities now the negotiator that will deduce the other side's interests and privileges sorry priorities first make it an upper hand that's how you get a in in the negotiations what do the french want they just want a swift application without any hassle of their cement and they want profit outcomes that's it nothing else they want they are very business minded what do the chinese government want they want a constant supply if it works they want to keep it for a long term if the french can't provide that they do not want to do a deal they also want for example local control of the operation they don't want the french to be in their country they will give you the cement but chinese people will work on it they also want french to help modernize the chinese tech now for example they keep all this in front of the french and french are only here for a swift in and out business deal there is no way this in any world this is going to work and there will be no deal because none of them are trying to understand each other's perspective for example french need are in need of financials and they send send like word to china we need financials and then you will start building it in your country now china will be like I can't see a long-term relationship here. Why should I give you any kind of loan? So, first strike over there for French people. Now, French send their experts to see how the work is going on for just a routine checkup. But China people in China are paranoid. They will look at it, look at this with a very, you know, drastic and negative viewpoint. Why they're sending their own people? Don't they trust the people working here? So, none of the sides are trying to understand what the other side is expecting. So, there is no trust, no relationship, and the that like the cement used is used halfway and the deal is also never completed this is basically the you know if you don't think about the negotiations once it's done also it can also create a lot of issues like i just spoke about so the context of war, where you are going the environment around there the stakeholders can also be clashing because french like for example in the previous podcast we have spoken about how stakeholders may change sides but here we have stakeholders who speak different languages so the french stakeholders are going to stay french and the chinese are going to stay chinese so it's you know the pull of power it's 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 very complicated when you go internationally now i would like to end this here and uh, give you a small piece of homework so that you are ready for the next podcast so i want to think that you are 
working for SBI bank and you're sitting for a negotiation the point of the negotiation is not the matter here and somebody from england is coming to have negotiations with you what do you expect them to know about you already and what do you think that you should be ready with when you speak to the person who's come from in the uk so yeah stay tuned for the next episode tomorrow with the continuation of international cross cultural negotiations okay have a great day bye Thank mm-hmm. you.